Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you anything to make a call. Um, in conjunction with our friends at Talbot Fitness in Clonmel, uh, that's based, of course, at the Talbot Hotel. We're delighted to give away the ultimate gift of fitness and health. Uh, we're giving you the opportunity to win four months leisure membership for the price of three months at the Talbot Leisure Centre. And uh, with this membership, you can avail of all the fitness classes, access to the multi-award winning gym, uh, swimming pool, sauna, jacuzzi, steam room. So what more could you ask for? So if you want to get yourself in shape before Christmas, get entering. We're giving away membership all of this week on a tip today. All right, we'll tell you how you can get involved in that pretty soon as well. Now, of course, we're on air every single morning from 9 o'clock. We spoke to Stephen and Barbara just after 9 in the first hour of the programme, and they, well, they had pretty pretty much polar opposite views on the whole business of the COVID, uh, the COVID vaccine uh, debate. Here's a little of that conversation. What I'm going to say to him, and I'm not, being, I'm not a rude person, he's deluded. Because, I mean, if you, like... You've seen yourself on the television, you've seen India, you've seen America, and those poor, you know, initially. I mean, did that not register? What happened is horrific, you know what I mean, the pandemic. But to see poor bodies being piled up and nowhere to put them, like that was absolutely heartbreaking. It was like something in a horror movie. That's the only way I can describe it. I know know people who feel that way too. But do you think she's wrong, Stephen? That's my issue, is that you say vaccinated, when this thing is a new thing, this mRNA gene therapy thing isn't a vaccine. Mm, well, it's, it's, not, it's, not it's, not, it's not gene therapy. Like. Well, it's, well, kind of a, it's, it's not a vaccine. It's not a, a vaccine was always where you had a dead bit of a virus and they put it in the bottle in whatever they put it in mm. and you got that. And for, for a long time, people had great confidence in that thing. Mm. But this thing that they're calling a vaccine isn't that thing. And that's uh, Stephen speaking to us this morning. One of our listeners was on pretty much immediately afterwards to say why wasn't Stephen testing himself when he said he had the flu? He could have had COVID and what about the rest of us? Uh, Isolation to protect others and he could have been spreading it to the vulnerable. It was a pandemic and everybody had to play their part. So very, very mixed views on all of that uh, this morning and still more uh, coming into us. And again, we'll bring them to you before the end of uh, the programme. You can text and WhatsApp 083-311-3311. Legal discussion on Tip Today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors is with me, the man who came in from the cold. It's rather yeah. miserable out there, it's John. It's out there. Is this a good soft day? Uh, I've listened to your... Uh, tech guru yes. there and I was thinking to myself um, well I wasn't thinking to myself um, I was thinking to myself yesterday when I was looking for something on the internet I was just thinking how the world has transformed itself in the last what 10 years 15 years mm. almost everything now you google it I yeah. mean I, I have a I had a mental picture of kids in school with their phones under the desk googling something while the teacher is telling them something, and then saying 
but Google says that whatever. And I'm just thinking as well that in all the years that I've been practicing law, practicing, I'm never, I'm never going to get the hang of it. But uh, the number of people that used to come into you, you know, and you knew well when they came into you that they had advisors, if you know what I mean. And quite often it used to be what we called bar stool lawyers, mm, if you know what mm. I mean. People who would have been through whatever it was previously, and you kind of knew when you were talking to them that they had a certain amount of uh, information, which is fine, or else they'd be bringing somebody in with them who'd be a barrister, a lawyer, and all all fine. In my earlier days, I used to be very intolerant of it, you know, yes. thinking, how dare you, kind of thing. Now I just think it <clears> assists, and it can it can be quite helpful, you know, as long as it doesn't completely dominate the conversation, if you know what I mean. But uh, it's it's really interesting because now your speaker was talking about, your guest was talking about, um, you know, how we're getting the news now via mm. not so much uh, Google as, well, maybe Google, but certainly Twitter and that, mm. and how it's so difficult, must be really, really difficult for people now with the amount of information that's out there on anything and the amount of different people that are giving opinions about different things and the amount of people that are offering you advice about different mm. things. It's very hard sometimes. I mean, you know the way when you Google something you get 40 YouTube videos on it and whatever, and it's, you know, by the time you're on the second video, you're totally confused. Bamboozled by it all. So I just wonder how many many people, when they come into me now, have Googled it before. Well, I I was going to ask you that. Are you like the GP, that that people come into you with opinions more than coming in to look for yours? Like, if you know... Well, yeah, well, I mean, you have a wide divergence of people that come Mm. into you, obviously, um, from the people who have researched it. Now, I actually enjoy the people who have researched it because to a certain extent, if people come with a degree of knowledge to the particular Mm. problem, Mm. well, then it's a collaborative approach. You can, uh, like, well, what they start doing is testing to see how well you know it. Yes. You know, it's kind of like you feel like you're... You're you're you're, you're, you're under, being under examination, if you know what I mean. But that's fine. Once you get past the test, then it can become quite useful right. because then you can you. But the problem, like all of us, when we're trying to study something, and it's it's true of, of lawyers as well. I mean, the amount of times that I have to go back and restudy something mm. that you should imagine I should know. And I'm never, I mean, I have I have certainly got to the stage now where I say, well, I, I really can't give you an answer on that unless I check it. Mm. Because I could be I could be mistaken. I could misread something. Mm. I always remember, um, you know, um, I'm, I was going to say, I managed to get out of it. But I remember I was running a case once and I studied the law on it. And we were coming up to a hearing on it. And I restudied the law on it, and I got it wrong when I read it the first time. So when I was, so you can imagine if I'm running a case thinking that I've done a, a kind of a risk assessment on the outcome, and I'm telling the client, well, I think actually, you know, you should be fine here. But you know, you could, you can get it wrong. You certainly can get it wrong. But the question I have is. Does Google ever get it wrong? But sure, of course it gets it wrong. Yeah, of course it point. gets it wrong. And I mean, right throughout COVID, we saw that people were influenced by so many mm. uh, opinions that mm. were available. Um, you know. And well, I'm given. I'm. Uh, uh, did you say that was the Talbot Hotel was for the? 
Yes, oh, for yeah, yeah. yes. I must get into that. I wouldn't mind going up. I'm up there on Thursday night. Are I you? think. Oh, you'll, you'll the have The ICA. Yeah. Ah, well, you could do with a lot of old fiddles. I, I'll give you <laughs> advice on fiddles if you if you, if you want it. Um, you're going to talk to anyway, us today. Sorry. No, no, no problem yeah. at all. You're going to talk to us about wills, but a certain aspect of wills, and I suppose the question is, you know, is a will set in stone yeah. when somebody passes yeah. away, or can it be looked exactly? At? Can you? Yeah, it's 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 a very good one, a very interesting one. You know, can you actually change a will? I mean, you can do in the UK, for example, you can do a deed of variation on a will. So you can actually change a will in the UK under certain limited circumstances. Uh, but in Ireland, you can't. Once a will is made, a will is made. Uh, but the question there is, you can't actually change the will, but you could change the effect of the will. So what I mean by that is that the most obvious kind of mechanism to change will would be and like you know you probably have to ask yourself the question why would one want to change a will well i mean the two the two scenarios that kind of come to mind straight away is that maybe the will doesn't reflect what the person intended because they might have made it years and years and years ago and therefore what's in the will isn't actually what the person who made it thought should have happened should happen mm. if you know what I mean so and and it's one of the reasons why you would always say that you should review your wills on a regular basis because if you're if you've made a will 20 years ago I mean things change fairly dramatically and not even so much dramatically they just change as a matter of life children grow up uh, you know different children need to be looked after differently etc so you know it might be that the will is it just doesn't reflect what the person intended mm. And therefore, you may have to to change it, as in change the 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 effect of it. The other, the other so there's two kind of tools that you can use uh, to change the will. My preferred uh, option, and I think the preferred option, would be what we call a disclaimer. And I mean, effectively, what a disclaimer does is it, is it basically somebody says, "I'm not." I'm not going to accept the gift. So where you might have a situation where, now this obviously you've got to look at the circumstances in each case and decide <clears throat> how you're going to work these things because a disclaimer is where, let's say I have Johnny and Anne and I leave it to both of them equally and it turns out that Johnny is very well off and Anne isn't so well off and uh, the two siblings want to help each other out. So one could disclaim their gift under a will, which effectively means that it, it the the will the the will is neutralized. It neutralizes the transfer to John, mm. so that his gift then, and this is where you kind of have to be. You know, although it seems seems fairly straightforward, I think you have to watch to see what happens if one of the family members or one of the beneficiaries we call them beneficiaries uh, because that's the term for whoever gets a benefit under the will. Mm. So the beneficiaries are a beneficiary if they disclaim you've got to watch to see what happens if so if somebody releases the gift that they're getting under a will then what happens is the law kicks in to determine where that that benefit goes so you have to be careful as to where the benefit goes because it may not go where you where you want it to go because it could for example the other term that's commonly used in a will is 
the residuary clause. So whatever's left over, where does it go? So mm. you often have a will that says, I give everything to, or sorry, I give him a house to, to Johnny. I give uh, cash to Mary uh, and I give whatever. And then at, at the last bit of the will says, and everything else I divide equally among all my children. So that's called the residuary clause. So you have to be very careful that you actually want the gift if it's if you release the gift that where does it go? So you watch where does it go if you disclaim it. And does it automatically go into that pot, for example, if that uh, little uh, piece is there at the end yeah. of the? Yeah, if it is, it, if it is, it goes into the pot as you yes. say. But the thing is that you can't disclaim and say, like if you had Mary, Johnny, Peter and Paul you can say, I'm disclaiming this gift and I want Paul to get it. Ah, that was that's going to be my key. next question to you. Okay, so you can't appoint somebody or anoint Correct. somebody with that's that. Okay. The, that's the absolute key to it, is okay. that you can't like let's say you've Johnny, Mary, Paul, and I'm after renaming all the beneficiaries, but anyway, and you want to, it's Paul that needs to be looked after, let's say. Um, you can't simply say, well, I want him to get it. It doesn't work like that. So that's why you have to be careful about it. And But the important thing about a disclaimer as well is that the third reason that you might um, do use these these mechanisms to vary the impact of a will or the what are the consequences of a will. The other one is tax because, mm. and as we all know, tax is a very favoured subject in Ireland, almost ranked up there mm. with rights away. But anyway, um, but it's always something that you have to watch because again, you can either use you you can use it, but you could also walk into the ultimate wall of swinging door of tax if you know what I mean because by by disclaiming it, you might increase tax, you might decrease tax, you might make more liability to tax but the the thing to remember is that a disclaimer has the has a neutral effect on tax from the point of view of the person who is releasing the interest. So without getting too bogged down in the tax thing, we, you've got three kind of taxes leaving out aside, uh, you know, property taxes and things mm. like that, but leaving those aside for a second. You do have your main kind of taxes that you've got to look at when you're dealing with succession. And or in fact, when you're dealing with land or transfers or whatever, you've got capital gains tax, you've got gift tax and you've got stamp duty. So you've always got to keep your eye on what's the impact of whatever you do from a tax point of view. And again, you know, the, one, of the, one of my pet uh, subjects at the moment is to try and look at the overall area of succession, not just solely from a tax point of view or not just solely from a legal point of view, you know, but to try and... And the third element to succession is the family circumstances. So you're kind of... You're trying to balance all those things. You're trying to balance, well, what happens in, from a tax point of view, what happens from a family point of view, you know, and, you know, what's the legal consequences of this. So all the time when you're doing succession planning, you mm. have to watch. So you might want to benefit Johnny or Paul, as I was saying, but you might... And, and you might be looking at it from a tax point of view, but from a family point of view, it might be disastrous. It might cause all sorts of problems. So when you're doing... You know, it's one of the 
challenges, mm. I think, when you're doing succession planning. But with with close family, John, isn't there... I mean, there's there's little tax implication, is there not? Up to a certain point, that's my understanding. Up to a threshold, Up yeah. To a threshold, a, yeah. That's capital acquisitions tax yeah. now, not capital gains tax for stamp duty. Yes. Like, let's just move to the second tool that you might use, and that is, let's say you can choose a disclaimer. Now, as I said to you, my the favourite favourite of the two, if you're going to be favouring one uh, tool over another, the favoured tool is the disclaimer rather than, because the disclaimer is neutral, the the person as, isn't liable, you know, and as well as that, the person who gets the, the gift, the benefit, takes it from the original person, i.e. the person who made the will, if mm, you know what I mean. Yes. And don't forget, by the way, that we need to be careful, or one needs to be careful, when you're talking about this, because we always talk about wills, but you always have the situation where there's no will, and you can also disclaim. It used to be, it was uh, a problem uh, when I started practice first as to whether you could in fact disclaim something if if there was no will. In other words, if it was if it was under law, you were getting it under the under the rules of law. And the question out, out there abroad was, could you disclaim hmm. or could you partially disclaim or whatever? And the answer uh, has been an act now made into law that you can actually disclaim under an intestacy. Oh, right. e- even if there's not a will. Yeah, yeah even if there's not a will. Yeah. But the other, the other thing, the big one to watch there or the big kind of cautionary element to that is that if you disclaim and you're not a spouse or a, a lineal ancestor mm. which is great fun trying to figure that one and mm. google that one now in your spare time but if so parent or mm. you're looking at above you move up the line rather than down the line but if you do the, if you were to disclaim in an intestacy you end up disinheriting your own uh, children, for example. Oh, you break the chain. You break the chain. Oh, that's very a, interesting. Yeah, and it's like it's the reason it was brought in was for tax reasons. Yes. But but it is hugely relevant from the point of view of somebody. As I said to you, to go back to the basics on this is why am I disclaiming? I might be disclaiming right. because I want you to benefit. And and just disclaim is is, is, is a nice way of saying just, I, I don't want. I don't that. want it. I don't I'm not, want that. Okay. Which you're entitled to say. <clears> I yes. don't want it. But the big, the big, big no-no there is that if you're if you're thinking of it going down to your children or grandchildren, if it's an intestacy, you've effectively cut off that line if you do it. So you you need to be very careful. The other interesting thing, because it, the, when I was looking for case law on the whole area disclaimers, mm. there's a decision um, of the court that was dealing with the whole area of disclaimers but it was what was even more interesting about it was it was dealing with whether you could reverse a disclaimer if you know what I mean so if somebody change your mind no not you but could somebody else come in and what I mean by somebody else I'll give you I'll let, let's be specific about it for yes. a second it was an interesting case because and one that you wouldn't, you'd be kind of going, jeepers. It was an MIBI case, and a case taken by the Motor Insurance Bureau of Ireland against beneficiaries who had disclaimed their interest in their mother's estate. And how and why they disclaimed their interest uh, was, well, this is, this is the thrust of it. The reason was that uh, their mother uh, was involved in a road traffic accident, uninsured, and got 
there was an uninsured situation which brings in the MIBI, the Motor mm. Insurance Bureau of Ireland, that covers uninsured driving situations. A large amount of money was, was paid out uh, on, a, on a case. Uh, the woman died, made a will, leaving the money to beneficiaries under the will. Yes. The beneficiaries disclaimed because the MIBI were after the money, if that's not putting mm. it too crudely, because yeah. they were looking to recover the money. Because one of the things that we often forget is that if you die, debts don't die with you. If you know what I mean. People can still pursue your estate for debts. So that's what MIBI were doing. They were pursuing, they were looking to recover the money that they had paid out on behalf, under the uninsured fund, against somebody who had succeeded. Wow. Yeah, so you I didn't know they could do that. Oh, they can, and they and they do. They they will often like if you're an uninsured driver, you're involved in an accident, and the MIBI have to go in there and cover you mm. for it under a fund that was set up. This is a fund. Uh, I mean, I'm digressing here, but I mean, in an in, in a situation where insurance is so critical for road traffic accidents for victims of road traffic accidents, they set up a fund some considerable number of years ago which is funded by the insurance companies and they all put in a certain amount into this fund yes. and then you can access the fund for uh, to cover victims of mm. uninsured drivers but if you are the uninsured driver the MIBI can come after you and they will often look to get the uninsured driver to sign an indemnity to say that they can pursue them so often and more often than not without appearing to generalise it. Uh, so people aren't good marks. You know, when we talk about the word, the term good mark, they often have nothing. They're uninsured drivers, I suppose, for all sorts of reasons. Mm. But it's not an uncommon reason that you're an uninsured driver because you don't have a huge amount of money. Of course, so yeah. therefore the MIBI won't and can't. But where you're in a situation where... Uh, you you do have money when they they will chase and they will. But come if you after. own a home, you okay. Oh, you yeah. might you might have Correct. cash, but Correct. if you own your home Correct. and yeah. that's sold yeah. afterwards, yeah. they yeah. they can they pursue. Could, they could they could pursue oh. it. Yeah. They could pursue it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in this particular case, uh, the beneficiaries thought, and the judge now, the court didn't make a determination on it, but it's fairly obvious <laughs> that that's where they reversed the the under. Char sixteen thirty four, an act of sixteen thirty four or something like that, by Charles King Charles, whereby if you do as if you do a disposition or do a transaction, that is done with a view to defrauding a creditor. Yes, the creditor can reverse the transaction. So the the MIBI were going in to reverse the disclaimer. And the reason they were reversing to scammer is that they so they could access the funds of the estate. So that's that's right. That's the so that's thing. why the disclaimer was there. That's right. So, Aye. but the other thing, of course, is that if you don't, if you're not in disclaiming territory, so in other words, if you can't use a disclaimer, you, the other one that's commonly used is um, a deed of family arrangement or a deed of family settlement or a deed of family arrangement is normally the one that I use. Now, the Adida family arrangement is does have tax consequences because more often than not, when you're doing a Adida family arrangement, uh, you're you're not in this claim territory. So you're in an, an arrangement that's been done by the family. They get together and they decide that they're going to change the terms of the will between them. Now it's you know because it's it's commonly the case that people think that 
a will is cast in stone, that mm. you can't change it. Mm. And sometimes, dare I say, it, it can be convenient not to change it. But there, you can certainly, you can use a deed of family arrangement in order to change it. Now, if you do do that, the thing to remember, or not the thing to remember, but one of the kind of legal uh elements to it is that you don't, and this it used to be a big debate, I remember in my early years when I was doing this was because I remember for some reason it was very common, when I, I, I practised in Sligo for two years, that's where I started and geez the family settlement were all over the place, they were everywhere for whatever reason in, in when I was in Sligo, whether it's a West of Ireland scenario, but it was quite very was it, yeah. quite usual for them to change the terms of will why I, I didn't... Was that because I, of land issues? I'm not or, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't... It's 40-some-odd years ago, so I, can, I yeah. can't remember. And at that stage, I was a very young, fledgling solicitor, so I just simply did the job. I didn't mm. yeah. uh, analyse it too much. But the thing is that you can use that as a mechanism to alter the terms of the will between the beneficiaries. Right, and simplify you, that. That's where the family come to an agreement. The family come to an agreement and they decide that, you know, the house was left to all of them equally, for example, but one of them is in America or one of them is UK or one is in Australia. Mm. Australia now is the, uh, the place to be really, mm. isn't it? So one of them is in Australia and they're not going to come back. So they have no interest in the family home. They're well off, you know, they're, mm. they're quite happy. And whatever. Or the situations that you might, two or three of them, one is a house and the other is a house. And at the time when the will was made, the parents were trying to look after the ones that didn't have the house yes, kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you can vary that and you can sort that out. And you can change it, you can vary it. And one of the things, and the most important thing to remember when you're doing these kind of arrangements is you, 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 you need to check in advance um, the implications, the tax implications of it. But the other thing is, and just so go back to the disclaimer for a second. When you're, you cannot disclaim if you've accepted. So if you, for example, got, let's say, a rental property in the will or something, and you're accepting the rent during the course of what well, the estate has been probated, you know, you've accepted the gift effect, accept effectively and you can't disclaim. So you need to be very careful not to, to make the decision to disclaim early in the oh, process. Right. Okay, so if you benefit from a rental income or anything like that. Yeah, or if you take the benefit, you can't suddenly say, well, actually, I thought about it now. I don't actually need it or I don't okay. want it or whatever. You can't do it after the, after accepting it. That's the important thing. To, another important element of disclaimers that you need to bear in mind. But in the family settlement scenario, or the family arrangement scenario, you need to, to watch how you kind of deal with the arrangement how you how you set it up because sometimes and again I'll, I'll finish on this but sometimes it's important to remember that in a an arrangement situation you can you know not instead of doing like in in the case of a disclaimer you, it's usually you release the gift and that's the end of it mm. but in an arrangement you might partially release it so in other words what you might do is you might I might say to you well okay I'll transfer the house to you, Fran, but you pay me X yes. on it. So you can do it for consideration. So that has the implication that that can affect your tax threshold. So course, I yeah. might do it, I might, you might pay me up to the level of, of, my, of the exempted tax threshold. So therefore, 
partially it's exempt or whatever. So it's a really interesting way. It's a minefield, though, isn't well, it? Yeah, but it, but it is a, well, yeah, it's a minefield, but the rules are like tax rules are very straightforward well, yeah. so you a lot of people would argue they're not straightforward but there there are exemptions there are rules there you have to deal with them and you must be aware of what those rules are probably worth another look maybe in the next time we're talking about it absolutely because, because it, i presume there's much more on 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 this that wills can be attacked for all sorts of oh there's multiple reasons. ways I mean, of dealing with it. well know. well there's a whole plethora of ways mm. of going at it. I mean, and that's exactly it. You, I mean, you've got your legal right share, for example, mm. where a spouse can appropriate. You've got the power of appropriating the family home. Mm. You know, you've got your Section 117, which is your claim by your child. You've got your cohabitee mm. uh, entitlements. And didn't you tell me years ago, is it promissory where so you've been promised something? Correct. You've been promised something, but the will doesn't reflect correct, that. In correct. Some way, so yeah. you have the whole area of estoppel which is literally as you say a promise that w- that hasn't been fulfilled yes. under the will and you can deal with it like that but you've got all sorts of I mean it's a fascinating area there's a new book brought out by um, I was looking at it there this morning brought out by our former uh, assignee in bankruptcy who is now retired who wrote this absolutely really really good book on succession law I don't think you can google it but you can certainly buy the book but uh, he covers a multitude of areas like I mean in, like there's the whole area of redemption there's the whole area that if a gift fails there's the whole area if for example there isn't enough money in the estate I mean it's just it's amazing, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah. fascinating. So you, you'll go back to that, will you, I will. first? I'll next, come next back time to you. Yeah. All right, yeah. OK. Yeah. Uh, thanks, John. Always Thank a pleasure. You. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors in uh, Clonmel, 1800-938-007. I just see some, uh, some um, questions in for John as well. We'll put that to him and he can maybe have a look at them uh, next time round. News and information is coming up at top of the hour. Not right now, because we're going to some live music in just a little while. The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery's Garage.